Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. I'm John Bucks, podcasting from my kitchen in Brooklyn, and I'm joined by Brian Chin. Where in the world are you, Chinny? Oh, you know me, Bucks. I'm doing what I do best and enjoying some time abroad. I'm in between jobs, so I'm hanging out in Belize on the islands. Did some snorkeling with about 25 sharks, saw some rays, sea turtles, manatees, and everything in between. So just uh, enjoying my time and tinkering nonstop since I'm on wildcard. Yeah, and Brian, you are traveling solo, so there's just you and the FPL app to uh, take your alone time together. So I've been seeing 60 versions of a wildcard draft, and that is what we are going to focus this episode on. Brian is not only gallivanting abroad, but he is also gallivanting. He's put all his chips in the table. He is on wildcard for game week nine. So this is all going to be about Brian's wildcard team and also game week nine. What is to come uh, out of international break starting this weekend? We are so excited to have footy back. Yeah, it's been way too long, this international break, plus the kind of delay in fixtures with the Queens passing has meant we are ready for FPL points and can't wait to have the weekend fixtures. And we got a couple of derbies as well, so it's going to be a fun-filled weekend, hopefully filled with points. I absolutely agree, and I am ready. Let's dive into those matches that we want to target for FPL returns in Game Week 9. Let's start with the first match, the North London Derby. Arsenal is hosting, so Spurs travel to Arsenal. That match I think is going to be filled with goals so I think uh, if you have attackers from this game don't be shy about starting them and potentially even strapping the armband on someone like Youngman Sung who's in spectacular form right now Harry Kane's been looking great and even Gabriel Jesus as a punt pick if you still have him in your team like I do uh, he's someone who could earn the captain's armband if not the vice captain responsibilities yeah, there are definitely going to be goals in this one. I think either a 2-1 victory either way could be very realistic. And honestly, this is a time where a lot of folks are migrating off of their assets from Arsenal. And I know on wildcard, I'm taking out the likes of Jesus and uh, Saliba, who's been an absolute boss for me and got a 15-pointer last week. But I'm looking to divest from the Arsenal side. And I think, like you said, Harry Kane loves an NLD and he could come up big for Spurs in this one. I think there's going to be more goals, actually. I think 3-2, I'm predicting Arsenal squeeze it out. They get the home bump. But uh, I don't think any defenders are really looking at big returns. I'm sticking true with Perisic in my squad. I'm optimistic he gets an assist. But that would be dreamland because I think uh, Ramsdale, who's my goalie, is going to be looking at a fat one or two pointer at best. Yeah, looking at the next fixture, Bournemouth versus Brentford. Battle of the Bees here. Uh, Solanke gaining a lot of traction on wildcard and also in managers' sides who are looking for Isak replacements. He went down with an injury for Sweden in the International League of Nations. So he's going to be out a few weeks. So Tony and and also Solanke are gaining a lot of traction. What are your thoughts on those two players' prospects for this game week? Yeah, I think those are the two priority transfers if you're in need of a forward replacement or a way to free up cash. Uh, I think 
Jesus to Solanke is looking like a very popular move in preparation for bringing back the likes of Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold as Liverpool enter a challenging run of fixtures, but then are looking at green pastures from game week 12 onward. So uh, just something to be mindful of. I think a lot of the moves, if you're not on wildcard like Brian is for game week nine, and you still do have that powerful chip in your pocket, you're going to need to be strategizing for a couple game weeks ahead. And Solanke, if, if you're not going to get him now, when Bournemouth have their best run of fixtures of the season, you might as well just cross them off because you're not going to be getting him at any other time in this campaign. Yeah, I totally agree, Bucks. I wouldn't expect too much from him. He's 5.7 million. So if he could get a goal in every one or one out of three matches, that would be pretty, um, pretty helpful to FPL managers. So make sure to have lower expectations because the rest of the side of Bournemouth is not very good, but a more impressive team would be Chelsea, who go to Crystal Palace. And we've seen a couple of the Blues players have some really bright spots on international break between Kai Havertz and Mason Mount in that 3-3 thriller that our good friend Kev Johnson, one of our FPL Blues Super League members, attended to live. And wow, 3-3, six goals in the second half. What did you see from Kai and Mount in this one? Just a lot of confidence. I think it's good to see Kai returning on international break because he has not been doing that in the Chelsea blue jerseys. So that is a great sign of what might be to come. I expect that Graham Potter will be starting him uh, for the foreseeable future. Broja is just not quite ready. And uh, that is a real punt if he's going to start Broja because Kai is such a talented young player uh, with all the ability. He really gets into great spots. He just needs that confidence to put it in the back of the net. So I think that's really good for Chelsea. I actually, we were talking offline about potentially putting the armband on Reese James this game week, but I'm a little scared away by some of Crystal Palace's assets because I really think Zaha is a player that could punish Chelsea in this one. Um, so I think there are going to be goals from both sides in this match as well. I think 2-1 to Chelsea is the fan in me talking. Uh, potentially 1-1 draw is uh, what my head is saying. Bucks, we have Liverpool hosting Brighton. A new manager comes into the side for Brighton. I have no idea what to expect from this team who got off to such a hot start under Potter, but now faced Liverpool well-rested. Salah went home early from international duty, and he looks primed and geared up for this one. I know on wildcard and a lot of other managers are considering dropping him for a few matches until they play Manchester city and then bringing him back in game week 12. So I really have no idea what to expect from Brighton, but I expect this to be a, maybe a two, one victory for the Kloppenheims. Man, I wish I had Salah still in my team. I sold him for KDB going into game week eight, following Liverpool being on blank fixture with no game against Chelsea, but I am panic stationed. He's, yeah, he's a player that is got really, he got right on international break and I'm just panicking that he's going to go on a tear and I will not have a route back to him until my wild card at least. So uh, he's a player to watch. And if you have him in your team and practice patience, he could be a great differential captaincy option at Anfield with full rest going against a now questionable Brighton team. I mean, they still have so much talent and they'll want to be uh, displaying that for their new coach, but uh, there's just a lot of uncertainty there. We don't know the 
tactics that this new manager who's more attacking than Graham Potter is going to employ. And uh, yeah, that could be trouble if you are heavily invested in Brighton. Keeping it moving, there's the Manchester Derby. Manchester United travel to their rivals at the Etihad. I think Erling Holland has to be talked about here. He's the de facto perma captain this season. And I'm not scared away by uh, this Manchester kind of battle royale. Uh, he will be my captain, I believe, going into game week nine. Any any shakes from you, Brian? I mean, this is literally the head-to-head matchup. We have two bald-headed managers facing off on the sidelines. We'll see who is the king of Manchester, but definitely expect a great performance from City. They have really owned that matchup over the last couple of seasons, and I expect that to continue. Two or three zero is my call at the Etihad. Yeah, I agree. I think 2-0 is a flattering score for United. And bring your bathing and shower caps to the match if you're going to uh, cover your head and uh, protect against the sun. Last one, we want to talk about Forest travel to King Power Stadium. Both these teams need a result and need to get right quick. So uh, Leicester panic stations, they cannot buy a W and they cannot keep the ball out of their own net. But if there was ever a time to get a win and to see your team with more goals than the opposition, I feel like Forest at home is a, is a pretty good opportunity for that. What say you, Brian? This should be a 3-2 victory for Leicester. They can score goals, and we know that NFO concedes like it's nobody's business. So I'm expecting this one to be a high-scoring affair. Nico Williams is somebody that may remain in my team because of some other injuries. Patterson was somebody I was evaluating as my budget enabler pick at the 4.1 million pound bracket but unfortunately he picked up a injury that's going to keep him out for four to five weeks and at this rate I don't know who else is going to uh, come into my side from a budget friendly perspective so Nico with his high XGI will probably make the cut love that we are really pro podcasters here because that is a perfect transition let's talk about the players who are going to miss out on Premier League responsibilities due to injuries taken at international break. And Brian, you just touched on a really key one for many wild carders, and that is Patterson from Everton. He's out, and also it seems like Pickford um, might not be fully fit as of yet. So it's just I would not trust the Everton defense other than those two. And if Pickford's out, if Patterson's out, uh, they're probably a complete cross-off right now on wildcard. I wouldn't want a single player from that team uh, other than those two lads. Yeah, they're still waiting for DCL to come back, um, who's also injured. So unfortunate times for Everton, but they're still you know, hanging in there, getting grinding out a few uh, results, one nils, nil-nils. So their defense has actually looked uh, pretty impressive this season under Frank, especially at, Good at Goodison Park. So we'll see what they can do against Southampton. Uh, another big injury is, unfortunately, the newcomer, Isak, from Newcastle. He was picking up a lot of momentum, coming off a nine-pointer in game week eight. And at that mid-price tier at 7.0, 7.1, he was very much uh, you know, in my wildcard thoughts. But I have to cross him out now because of this knee injury, which I think is going to keep him out for at least two weeks. So hopefully Callum Wilson can make the grade and start up top for the Tyneside team. Yeah. And there's rumors that they are considering bringing in a young Australian striker to uh, play a part this season because they are 
really in woe, woeful place right now with the injury situation there. They're also short Bruno Himares. He had to come off in Brazilian duty. So yeah, they are uh, slightly depleted and they are in need of results. Uh, they are having a very wobble of a season uh, considering the excitement around that team and the new ownership coming into this campaign. Eh, that's a, that's a tough one, but I think Wilson will be fit and he should play uh, in their match at Fulham. Next up, Lucas Dean. He's injured. This could be a while. I, I'm hearing it could be four <laughs> to eight weeks. So he's a complete cross-off. And I know a lot of managers Yikes. took a punt. They went against the voodoo of Dean in FPL on wildcard. And he looked good for a moment. And then he was back to his woeful, shameful, spiteful ways, just sticking you in the, in the side with uh, an FPL injury, taking him out and really requiring probably an urgent and immediate transfer out. Yeah. Magnus Carlson brought him in on his wild card in game week eight and he got the six points, but instant troll reaction. You can't have Dean in your side ever because he will continue to let you down. So he's injured and that really lessens the attack for Villa because Matty Cash, I think, is also injured. So they're in a tough spot with their fullbacks. Dean and anal beads, the two things Magnus Carlson hates right now. <laughs> wow. Wow. Didn't see that one coming. That's a that's a great pop culture reference there, Bucks. Uh, if you don't know about the chess master um, conspiracy, take a look online and see uh, what comes up. But make sure uh, to have your your personal computer in use and not your work computer. Yeah, no kids around. And that is the first uh, bingo card placeholder for anal beads on the FPL Blues podcast. Uh, <laughs> so let's check that one off. Just wrapping up, there are two guys that got small knocks that are expected to be fully fit for this weekend. But we just want to shout them out. That's Mitrovic from Fulham and Perisic from Spurs. They both came off early in international duty and were seen walking with uh, the assistance of a boot or with ice and no cleats on. But uh, early reports say that they are going to be fit to start and play in game week nine. So I would not be rushed transferring them out. Wait at least until press conferences on Friday uh, to hear an update on those two guys. Yeah, that rounds up our international break recap and preview of game week nine we're going to take a quick break and then come back with my somewhat settled wild card we'll be right back and we're back all right brian it's your time to shine let's see that wild card draft work us forward from your goalkeeper, which has been a bugaboo of yours all season, all the way finish off with your strikers. Well, I'm hoping the goalie curse does not continue because I'm starting with Gaita in goal for Crystal Palace. Really liking their fixtures and at 4.5 million, I'm hoping that he can deliver a few good results. They play Chelsea, Leeds, Leicester and Wolves in the next four, but have a great run all the way up to World Cup. So again, I don't want to make another goalkeeper transfer the rest of this time before the world cup. And I'm hoping that he can come good with a few saves here and there, and maybe a clean sheet versus the likes of uh, wolves and maybe even leads. This is good news for Chelsea in game week nine, because uh, if history is a lesson 
then Gaita will need to score one point to keep the streak alive. So Chelsea need to be pounding it into the back of the Crystal Palace net uh, to keep Brian's team and FPL tradition alive this season. Yeah, seven straight matches of like one point in goal. Uh, I got zero from Ward last week, so it is dire straits for me, but I'm hoping that Gaita can turn it around. It's all love here, baby. I, I know I know, Gaita is going to come good for you. Yeah, it's probably a big reason why my overall rank has stumbled so badly out of the gates just to have zero points coming from my keeper and not a single clean sheet. So need to turn it around at some point and just luck into uh, a clean sheet at some point. So uh, next up, we're going to go into my back line, my starting trio in a 3-4-3. I'm looking at Cancelo, Trippier, and James these are pretty template picks, but I'm just such a fanboy of both Cancelo and James. So they've been in my side since game week one and won't be going anywhere. James has the great upside in this Potter system to hopefully be more creative and play more uh, right wing back, which is the position we want to see him in for FPL. And then although Cancelo does have a blank um, when he plays Arsenal in game week 12, I'm going to bench him that game week. And he's just a blue chipper. Nine points last week, shits out bonus points, barely did anything other than complete a few passes and got the nine points. So I'm going to keep him. And then Trippier is new to the squad. He's on all of these set pieces, and I can't complain about that. And hopefully they'll pair up with Pope and keep a couple cleans because the attack is very middling at the moment, but their defense looks pretty stout. And then on the bench, I have Tarkowski at $4.4 million. He's an enabler. I need to save some money in the bank. And then also Nico Williams, also another enabler. I'm hoping that those guys don't get called in the action, but Tarkowski's had a couple of six and eight pointers recently and does have some goal threat. So if he needs to come in um, as a kind of pinch hitter, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, most importantly, you really need Tarkowski probably for game week 12. Who does who does Everton play in that match, Brian? Yeah, that was part of my thought process because I'm going to have three players that will play that was part of my thought process because I'm going to have three players who will not feature in game week 12. So in game week 12, Tarkowski plays at Newcastle. It's a fine fixture. Um, and then after that, they have a couple easy fixtures as well. So it's just a player that I hope not to bring in too often, but um, some, some flexibility that I need to eventually get back to solo. Yeah. I love Anybody? it. And it makes a lot of sense because it gives you a, locked in starter who has goal threat at 4.4 million and you wouldn't be you wouldn't be fussed if you had to play him in the odd game week and you know like you said especially with Everton playing a very defensive style especially on the road um I rate that pick I I I don't hate it it's you know it's not sexy but it's also a a 4.4 budget defender yeah, Bucks, do you think there's anybody I'm overlooking on wildcard in the back line? I think I w- had a few tinkers that did have TAA, but given their current form, I'm really just put off by their defense. And with these tough fixtures coming up, I think it's a opportunity to spread the funds elsewhere. And I think Trippier can cover him from a kind of floor perspective of getting potential six points each week. Yeah, the only other names I would really consider are DeLow from Man United, since you're not going to need him to play in game week nine when they travel to play against City, which are a a buzzsaw. Um, So that's an easy one to kind of set and forget. He's also 4.4 million. Otherwise, Gehi from Crystal Palace, 4.3 million. I really like that price point. 
But the issue is the double Crystal Palace defense with Gaita in goal. And I think we've seen this season that the double up in defense and goalkeeper is just not a strategy that is worth its weight in the FPL budget department. So I think I, I rate the Tarkowski move. It's a little bit of a punt, but uh, at your rank, you need to be a little ambitious. So I, I really like that you're going for it. And the Tarkster can, he has gotten some 15 pointers. So I, I like it. It's a upside play. Yeah, honestly, I don't expect him to start except in a one or two instances before the world cup for me. Um, I really like the low. I think he's got upside. He actually braced for uh, Portugal in the league of nations. So pretty impressive attacking display there. But again, I need all the shekels in the bank that I can keep um, just so I can get back to Sala eventually for game week 12. So um, the reason I went with Tarkowski was to have a couple more point ones in the bank, which will come in handy as I plan my future transfers. Nice. All right. Let's keep it moving to the middle. Who do you got boss in your midfield? All right. Across the middle, I have the main man, KDB, starting next to Zaha, Martinelli, and Madison, and then Andreas Hogelbaum Pereira on the bench as the season keeper in that budget midfielder slot. So this one was really tough for me. I think, um, you know, both Zaha and Madison are the easy template picks for wild carding into game week nine. Both are very, um, you know, underrated players. Zaha 15% owned. Madison only 7% owned. So these are two players that I'm hoping to make up some ground. Zaha and Pens, he's looked pretty attacking so far. And then Madison is just a fixture bet that even if they don't win, he'll be involved from an attacking perspective. And they can lose matches four to two, and he can still get upwards of 10 points. So the Martinelli thing, again, I've had him since game week one, have a lot of value built in him. So I'm just going to keep him. I think he's still a great option in some of these tough fixtures where uh, Arsenal will have to figure out how to manufacture some goals, and he'll be involved on the left flank. So the main decision here is to go with KDB, Sala, or Son. And so this has been keeping me up at night. Luckily, I have some extra time to tinker. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts on those three players? Well, I think KDB is the most reliable right now. And you know what you're going to get for him. He's a big game player as well. So I think he will have a good match in the Manchester United fixture. I'm just surprised because I know a lot of your other drafts had Sun in it. So that you've landed on KDB and not your boy, Young Min Sung is a little bit of a shock considering Hyung Min Sung's recent impeccable form. I could see you tinkering and, and making that swap back uh, before the deadline, but uh, I rate it. You can't really go wrong with those super premium guys. Uh, I have seen a lot of FPL community on Twitter, uh, just kind of skipping uh, the no Sala plan and just bring him right back in on wildcard because you know what, if he's in form, you can't really go without him. So even if you will be Captain Holland, having Salah as kind of a middle punch-up um, where he's going to actually be differential for the next three game weeks could be a huge and easy way to rank rise. But otherwise, no fault in your midfield. I've been singing the praises of Willie Z for a couple of game weeks now. I really like the way that he's fitting in and kind of acting as the true talisman in this Crystal Palace team. Penalty kicks, obviously, at $7.2 is a steal. And Madison, 
you know what? That's probably a short-term pick, but he's going to look a lot better on Newcastle. Let's just say that uh, after the <laughs> January window. Let's keep it moving to your forward line, Brian. Hold on, Bucks. I just want to double-click. So the reason why I'm going with KDB is for game weeks 9 and 10, he hosts Manchester United and hosts Southampton. That Southampton fixture is one where we've seen the likes of the citizens put up five plus goals. So I'm really betting on those two home matches versus Sun, who has showed some good form, obviously coming off that masterclass hat trick in 13 minutes off the bench. And then he's also scored a great free kick and then got another goal on international duty over the past week or so. But they're also going to be away at Arsenal and away at Brighton. And I don't think those are easier fixtures for the Spurs at all. With that being said, I might actually do a kind of hokey-cokey looking at game week 11 and going KDB when he plays Liverpool to Son, who plays at home versus Everton. So a lot of future planning here, but uh, I want to be aggressive with the attacking the fixtures for my premium. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. And then for game week 12, looking at bringing Salah back into my side. So I have money in the bank on this version of my wild card, about 0.8. And that will be used to fund Salah down the line. Huh, very interesting. I like that plan of the KDB to Sun, then to Salah uh, to maximize the fixture. Get us to the promised land. Who's in your forward slot? Holland goes nowhere. He's obviously a permacap option, so he'll be staying put. And then two new lads coming into my side, Mitrovic and Tony. So Tony actually plays at Bournemouth, and this could be a really prime fixture for him to be a great differential he's actually upwards of 21 percent owned right now which is relatively surprising but he's got 47 points and he's only three points beneath Kane in the forward attacking uh ranking so I think he's a player that will tick along and I kind of like him next to Mitrovic who has all the fixtures coming up so hopefully his ass is not in a walking boot like you uh shared with me this morning gave me a bit of a fright but he had a hat trick on international duty. He's the main man for club and country and in great form and great physical shape. So I'm expecting him to be fine for that match. He'll just shoot his foot up with a little something extra and he'll be able to roll out there um, versus Newcastle. And I think I know it because uh, Holland Luya, but is Holland going to be your captain in game week nine? I mean, Holland versus Manchester United has to be your captain selection because if they're going to have Martinez, who is five foot seven, five foot eight, in the box next to possibly Maguire or Varane, I just think he's going to be in prime position and get the service in front of the home crowd. And although last week I did pull off the kind of delineation away from him as captain and went with Kane, and that ended up with eight additional points for me, I don't see it this weekend, and I'm going to stick with Holland. All right, that's my wild card. I, I know there's a few other players that I'm monitoring, um, especially if Mitra would remain in the boots. Obviously, Isak out. So if Mitra was ruled out, I'd either potentially move to a 3-5-2 or a 4-4-2 and try and squeeze in the likes of Trent into my defense instead of having uh, Mitra up top. So those are a few ideas I'll hopefully not have to swing into action but enough about me, Bucks. That's my wild card. Let's talk about your moves. You've been patiently waiting for the last 15 minutes while going through my wild card, and you haven't done any moves yet this whole international break. So I'm proud of you, buddy. 
I'm having the shakes a little bit from uh, checking the FPL app and not tinkering and not making a move early. It's been a, a really long international break after, like you mentioned, an extended uh, fit of about two weeks without football from unforeseen circumstances. So I am trying to continue to practice patience. I'm hoping to roll my transfer, actually. Uh, there oh, are wow. a couple There are a couple moves I am considering. Uh, Gabriel Jesus down to Tony is one of them. I could also go as a long-term plan, go Gabriel Jesus to Solanke. Uh, Cucurella down uh, to a cheaper option is also in my mind. But I think right now I'm going to give the boys one more game week to figure it out. Then I will use two free transfers in game week 10. And I'm earmarking game week 11, 12, or 13 to use my wildcard chip. I don't have any major issues in my team other than Ramsdale and goal. So I'm just going to try and continue to be steady. I'm not chasing any massive hauls. I've had Holland since the start. I've had Martinelli since the start. So I have some good value built up in my team. I just really need to execute on my wild card when I do use it. So slow and steady at this point, I'm having a decent season. I'm about 400,000 in the world. Not time for me to panic just yet. And because I would only really make three to four changes on my wild card, I'm just going to wait it out. And uh, that's my plan right now. Yeah, that's fair. I think you'll really have to focus your transfer plans heading into game week 12, since right now you have six total Manchester City and Arsenal players. So that's one thing that you'll have to figure out. And I'm sure Salah will come back into your mind as well. And that's an easy upgrade from the likes of KDB. So, yeah, I think the the triple up on, on City is just one that is proven. And we're going to see KDB to Holland many times over in the next couple game weeks. So I back that. And good on you for practicing some patience. And hopefully it will be set up in the latter stages of these game weeks before the World Cup comes to really you know, gain on rank for those who have already wildcarded like myself. Yeah, and I just want to throw one thing out there that I am considering about a game week 11 wild card. And the reason I would think about doing that is I would bring in Kane and Salah, and I would have Holland be my future transfer to make in game week 13. And that way I'm kind of taking a little bit of a punt, but I would have captaincy lined up for 11 and 12 on the players that I think would really be the top scorers in those game weeks. So um, I know you're hearing a lot about game week 13 as the kind of most likely and easy wildcard move because you can sell off city, sell off Arsenal, and then bring them rushing back in on your wildcard. But it only leaves you three game weeks to really attack on that wildcard. So that's why I'm thinking maybe 11 might be the window and the kind of perfect spot for me to uh, use that chip. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do that, make sure to dead end your team you know, heading into that wild card. That's always advice that we give. So there's a few different punts you could take, especially for captaincy, like I did last week with Kane, knowing that he was going to be a good differential shout. So uh, I back that. I think one of the reasons why I wild carded was I've been in similar situations in the past. And I actually, I like the runway up until our game week 17 wild card for World Cup, where it kind of gives me a little bit of time to, you know, really maximize these choices and hopefully spend transfers only on these premium players with the best fixtures. So 
uh, you can't go wrong, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to gain some ground now versus where the crowd will be heading into game week 12 and 13. Yeah, so we're both on Holland Cap, and most importantly, we are both looking to get green arrows in Game Week 9, wishing you a really fun return to the Premier League this weekend. Brian, I hope you have a great rest of your vacation in Belize, good weather, safe snorkeling, and great food. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Make sure to set your lineups as the deadline is early Saturday morning in the States. Um, And yeah. We're back, baby, and it feels so good. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate you dealing with my AirPods audio. I'll have the mic back next week and can't wait to talk about this upcoming Game Week's fixtures. (laughs) 